Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Okay, so my guest today on the Cappuccino is Rochelle Lisa Martin, MNZM, born in Teradale, Hawke's Bay. She had a rugby career spanning 17 years with three World Cup victories, which is staggering given the fact she's still only 26. She has been the <laughs> vice captain and captain of the Black Ferns, and that's not her, that's a seagull. Uh, she's played for both Wellington and Auckland provinces in rugby. Uh, she's been a New Zealand firefighter calendar pin-up girl. Um, yeah, I thought I'd throw that in to start off with. Uh, she's also been New Zealand's first female senior fire station officer. Uh, she's now the national recruitment manager for Fire and Emergency New Zealand. She's a sports commentator on Sky Sports, 18 years as a firefighter, a member of the Women in Fire and Emergency New Zealand. She's previously been a board member of Women in Firefighting Australasia, uh, Player of the Year in uh, Rugby in 1995, uh, Fire Sports Person of the Year 2003-2005, and the seventh ranked CrossFit athlete in New Zealand for her age group in 2019 or 2018. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> True. I'm surprised you've made it. And most importantly, mum. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah, the biggest role. So uh, I do a pop quiz dedicated to Speed, the world's greatest police movie. So here it comes. Pop quiz for you, Rochi. Oh, shoot. Best rugby player that you've ever played with or against is? Anna Richards. Yes, Anna Richards. Anna Richards, I hope you're listening because I'm still trying to get hold of you to be a guest on this show, all right? So, yes, I'll take Free that as coffee. Well. Yeah, yeah, true, true, yeah. Um, best book you've read is... Well, actually, oh, make it, let me, let so me make many. it easy. The last book you've read. Oh, I haven't read a book in the last two years. My job is way too busy. <laughs> right. If I wasn't a firefighter, apart from a police officer, you would be... If I wasn't a firefighter, I'd be a, a professional um, sports commentator travelling the world. A la Mel Robinson. Exactly. Yes. Uh, some people have the luck of the... Anyway. Uh, best firefighting movie or TV series I've seen is... <laughs> Backdraft! Love it. Kurt Russell and Darkwing oh. Phoenix as well. Yes. Yes. Do you collect anything? Um... Emotional scars from my children being brutally honest with me. Yep, good work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen to that. Uh, superstitions, either when you were playing rugby or in life, what do you got? Um, every pre-game would be uh, black boot polish, polishing my boots. Good standards. What's one thing that drives Rochelle Martin nuts? Noise. Hmm, okay. Uh, so your entire r- rugby journey was in a complete accident really at the very beginning wasn't it you want to explain why yeah a little bit of an accident um so an older brother three years older mm-hmm. um and avid rugby player loved playing rugby i always wanted to play it wasn't loud because i was a girl um <laughs> but i would be dragged up onto the park reserve and um an up and under would go up and i'd catch the ball and i'd get king hit nice big tackle um and that was the start of my rugby career Thanks, Aaron. (laughs) It would be fair to say that you have had a sporting career that most men, slash even all blacks, would absolutely die for. Three Rugby World Cups, you've had Canada Cups, you've had numerous cup victories, a win record that made the black ferns when yourself and Anna and Mona Lisa and the rest of the girls 
were playing uh, probably the most successful sports team of that era. What do you put that down to? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. It's only really on reflection, um, really being able to sort of get your head around that whole, the, the success yeah. um, through that, that, that period of time. I think a lot of what contributed to that was the individuals involved and why we were involved. We'd all come from different backgrounds in terms of careers, families, whanau, um, and sporting backgrounds, and we came together and we all seemed to click. Um, there was a, a, a real commitment, I think, to each other. We had um, some amazing coaching um, staff. Daryl Suasua, um, for one, um, interesting character, but boy, he could get the best out of people as well on the field. So it was just, um, there was a, a group, I guess, of those those players that we spent a lot of time together. Yep. Uh, and, and we had so much fun doing it. Um, so there was pressure of performing but we really enjoyed each other's company and 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 winning and it, I think that was that was part of part of that that formula of um, a successful team um, yeah as it, if you could bottle it Jesus I'd be rich oh you would be in yeah. dare I say the Karen Albeck team would probably want yeah. some of it in abundance just yeah. quietly and as much as as much as I don't want to say it I think the fact that we were there for the pure love and yeah. enjoyment of it yeah. um, and, and when I say that I'm, we weren't professional athletes we no. weren't paid we got a daily allowance I think when I started that was $40 or $30 a day um, so and we had team members that you know would lose 10,000 plus dollars a, a tour yep. um, to be on tour so the commitment you, you couldn't it wasn't you couldn't question it yeah and people that were taking uh, jobs that they were well and truly overqualified for because they knew that they'd be able to go out and play for the Black Ferns with their province yep. so yeah yeah uh, so in the days of Gina and Farah and Anna and Mona Lisa and yourself, you guys, from an outsider's perspective, because I knew a lot of you when you were there, um, were often treated as, I'd say, second-class citizens by the general rugby fraternity. I mean, uh, there's, like, to you and I, and even yourself, um, there's no way that somebody like you or Anna Richard should walk, walk, walk into a room where there's a whole bunch of rugby-playing, uh, shall we say, community members, and nobody knows who you are because that's disgraceful and it's like um, I think the Sky Sport Almanac Rugby Almanac said one year when Anna was their Rugby Player of the Year um, if she was male she'd probably had more adulation than Joan Alomu did um, what was the worst example you ever saw of it when you were playing rugby? Um, probably an example I, I would give um, would be we were I think it was 95 playing um, the Wallaroos and we were um, down to um, play as the curtain raiser to the All Blacks playing the Wallabies at Eden Park. Eden Park? Yeah, Eden Park. Um, what ended up happening is we had a, a bit of rain on the, the Thursday, um, maybe Friday as well, and we got pushed out to Waitakere, um to play on a, a field out there that was up to your ankles um, mud. Um, and we, we, you know, it, it didn't matter to us. It did matter, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was like, ugh. Okay, let's let's just get on with it. Yeah. Um, and the fact that um, you know that that just shouldn't happen. Um, it wasn't like we were going to dig up Eden Park, you no. know. Um, so that well, that was um, we we all had Fano travelling from around the country to ex- share the experience with us, curtain raising for I think the first time ever the All Blacks and um, not not getting to to yeah. run out onto Eden Park. And uh, like you were talking about the team before and everything else, it still goes to speak volumes to everybody's character that was in that team. 
I think that you guys are still really diplomatic about it because you're about the third or fourth black fern that I've asked from the area and you guys are yeah, probably the example I'd give is this and I'm like, I'm sure you've got dozens more so yeah, yeah. well there's plenty but maximum um, respect yeah, yeah. getcha um, your era of black ferns missed the professional era by probably oh, maybe five years five to six years do you get bitter and twisted about the fact that you could have been played to play rugby you could have done everything else or do you think it's actually greater to be part of that legacy that you know you've got the Richards the Codlings, the Palmers, the Martins. Yeah, yeah uh, like every now and then there's a glimpse of, oh, you know, maybe if that, that yeah. would have been great. But l- I know the reasons why I was playing, yeah. and um, it was because I bloody loved the game. Yeah. And I still love the game. I'd still play if I could. Uh, but I, I, I do, I, I am grateful for being, um, for where I have come in, in terms of what my part of that legacy was and yeah. the fact that we have a legacy uh, is just it blows my mind and to, to be part of that group uh, I wouldn't change anything yeah. um, yes it would be nice to be sitting back and mm. mortgage free and all of that jazz if that's all good yeah yeah, yeah stinker right. right so your era of black ferns missed the professional era by just a few years do you ever get bitter and twisted about the fact that uh, you've missed it or is it still great to be part of that legacy of the Codlings, the Richards, the Palmers, and everything else? Oh, look, um, Brian, I think if I was honest, I, yeah, you know, it would be would have been nice to be taken home or collecting a pay packet. Uh, but at the end of the day, we uh, were the start of something really special. Yeah. Um, to be part of the legacy at the point that we were to set the foundations, um, I, I'm hugely, uh, immensely proud of, and I'm proud of the, the girls that um, that were with me doing that stuff. Um, we, we set a sort of expectation, I guess you could say, and look, I wouldn't have it any other way. That in terms of experience that I've had traveling and playing in different parts of the world and um, wearing the black jersey that's enough yeah does it um do you have a wee sort of wry grin when you think that maybe 20 years from now there's going to be some young women look at you in sort of the same context that maybe you and I looked at people like Brian Williams and Sid Going and that type of stuff yeah look it's really funny I think that's something that's been really um heartening and of 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 it's been a really, really neat thing happen is um, the Black Ferns, maybe in the last two or so years prior to the last World Cup, um, went about sort of, um, you know, understanding where the Black Ferns have come from and and giving us that acknowledgement um, at a couple of different functions that I've attended. And that just blew me away, um, you know, because we're just, you know, you know, another, uh, another, from, another yeah, person. You know, we, yeah. we love the game. You guys yeah. play really well, and but we had our time. Um, and I think that's um, that's really important to acknowledge where you've come from and yeah. the, the work that's um, gone before you. So, um, yeah, it, it, it does make me feel a little bit um, uncomfortable, <laughs> but in a good way. You know? What's it like when you that current crop of black ferns? Like, because I've seen some of the Instagram pictures when the when the black ferns had some of you. Uh, present some of the jerseys or give the team a talk in the house. What's it like when you walk into a room full of young 22-year-olds and they go, wow, she's a legend. Does it make you feel really old and decrepit? Um, a little bit, but I just, I love the energy. I, this, you know, Supposedly you're there to do a jersey presentation, yeah. but the way I walk away from that group usually is I feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. Um, the energy and the enthusiasm and the spark that you see in, in those young young women is just fantastic. Yeah. And geez, they've got 
so many opportunities ahead of them. Oh yeah, they don't realise, but anyway, that's yeah. all good. To give us some idea, uh, can you tell us what your day roughly looked like in your days of, I'm going to say semi-pro, but let's <laughs> let's be honest, it really wasn't. It was, you guys were, um, you weren't amateurs because you, you were getting paid, but uh, you know, a lot of, I know that a lot of you were doing like full-time jobs and yeah. training in the morning yeah. and training in the, I remember looking at Anna's training schedule and just going, where do you fit this in? Because seriously, you've got like a, an eight till four job, or in Anna's case, mm. Anna's case, sometimes a ten till twelve job. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you fit this all in? So, what did your day look like? Yeah, so if I could could use the old um, the fire service when I, I started there, it was um, what was really fortunate with with me is that the nature of the job um, enabled me to train at work as well. So, what I'd do is um, we generally would would have to train six days a week leading up to a World Cup um, and you'd have your um, cardio um, anaerobic training and strength and conditioning that kind of thing so I'd just pick my sessions yeah. um, working into work um, and you know working night shifts I had the day free so I, I could have a sleep in and, and rock over to the gym at 10am um, if I needed to a little bit um, simpler for me than it was for some of my um, my peers yeah. that were working sort of they'd have to be in the gym or whatever at 6am to get to work on time at 8 or what have you so I was probably a little bit more fortunate than than most that my job enabled me to train every day yeah. um, and then I'd do sports specific stuff outside of that yeah, so because you guys are a real pot period professions if I remember rightly yeah, at, at yeah. The time. oh we so, had all sorts yeah. um, lawyers bloody yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, yes, yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah and I mean, look, let's be honest. They, the current black friends still are the same, but uh, back in those days, obviously, you were you were working, then training, and everything yeah. else. Um, flip of the coin, time. If I said to you, okay, Rochelle Martin, you can choose to play in the pro era or play in the era that you played in. Where would you want to go? Uh, era, the era I played in. Yep. That's what I thought you'd say as well. All right. So then, somewhere along the line, you decide to become a firefighter. What was the appeal of becoming a firefighter? Have you got any relatives in the fire service? Is it something that you'd looked at before? or No, and this, this is what really um, annoys me is that, um, well, I, I grew up in Taradale, which was a volunteer-covered um, uh, area, so I never actually put two and two together that it was also a career. Yeah. Um, the other thing is is that you start bringing, throwing in the whole you know gender roles, yeah. um, and it was a, a bloke's domain. You know, women didn't um, weren't firefighters, um, and and no, I didn't challenge that. Just yeah. you know, just that's the way it was. Um, come along, you know, fast forward to I think 1996, and I had a a, a coach who was a firefighter, and I'd been talking about you know what am I going to do? I might join the police. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and yeah. um, and he said, well, have you thought about fire service, New Zealand fire service, at, at, as it was at the time? Um, and um, so I thought, oh, oh yeah, took me a, took me a year or two, but chucked in an application, went through the process, and here I am today. If I'd known that I could have done that, um, or if someone said to me, oh look, you'd, you'd make a good fiery, yeah. I would have done it five, ten years earlier. Yeah. So, and still only being like 28 now. So yeah, I know, right? Just stuff. amazing. Uh, what was recruiting or basic like for you? I mean, I've only ever done the volunteer firefighting courses, but what was it like when you got there? Because obviously you'd come from a really good, strong self-discipline, and I know that you guys, um, the Black Ferns, were well known for their discipline, um, and very often you girls would put pressure on one another to perform and work really hard. But what was it like for you at basic and when you did your recruiting did you just sort of look at the test and go, 
breeze or <laughs> so going through the recruiting it was step by step for me um, yep. in terms of the physical um, aspect it wasn't a problem yep. purely because of my background I think with um, the rugby and the type of strength conditioning that we did um, basic that was a completely different kettle of fish I've never been t- up until that point challenged like I had been um, through that that period of time that's around a sort of 12 week course um, just using um, tools and skills that never used before um, and I, I went to some, a couple of dark places through that time um, we actually played our club final a week into my, the first week of um, basic um, or recruits course uh, and I um, tore my meniscus so I was at the physio every day after training with a knee that was the size of a balloon um, just trying to manage that and getting through it just so I like to put a little bit more pressure on than um, needs but yeah um, but yeah, it was um, the most satisfying yet challenging experience I've ever had in my life. Yeah, it's funny because I think everybody's been through either some basic training or recruitment or anything else. Everybody, regardless of whether you're a, success, a successful sports person like yourself or a dirty old hacker like myself, there'll be something in there that just gets you. You don't know yep. what it is and yep. it's, yeah, um, yep. yeah. so you're yep. right. Yeah, but um, for me it was it was definitely day by day and that was through the application process yep. as well as just eat one step at a time, time. don't yep. get ahead of yourself. Yeah, small mouthfuls. You, <laughs> yeah. you never eat the entire table, that's yep. the story, yeah. Um, so what was the first station you were posted to as a, as a firefighter? I was stationed at Mount Wellington Fire Station um, right. and um, sadly, or, you know, you could celebrate it I suppose, um, that's where I ran my recruits course so I was there for three months out in the drill yard and then stationed there as well so um, yeah it was, it was a bit of a hard time yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I was stuck there for about four years yeah uh, yeah, I do remember seeing you there when I was the Adelaide Community Cop now I know that you weren't the groundbreaker but you were one of the should we say breaking the ground uh, female firefighters were there any issues that you had starting I mean I know everybody gives probies a little bit of a hard time but did you cop any more crap oh, because of yeah, the fact you're a female? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and no one ever said it, but yeah. um, I remember being taken out for a drill and not being the most junior on the yeah. crew um, and being made to do what would normally be a full crew drill yeah. on my own um, while the other two crew members stood there sheepishly watching on. Um, just so things like that. Yeah. Um, and just you always constantly felt like you were under the you know magnifying yeah. glass, um, people waiting for you to trip up. Um, and, and once, you know, just having to prove yourself time and time again, um, which our male counterparts probably don't have to. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but we do, you know, we're starting to change things a little bit now. And I think people are a lot more accepting of, um, you know, having, having women um, and the what women contribute and bring to the table um, with our role is, is that, something special yeah yeah exactly um, right. and, and we've all got a place at the table yeah, and I um, think that's really important you're not wrong and not, let's be honest uh, it wouldn't be the first time you've broken ground for that exact reason either would it no no, no. so yeah good work uh, what's the worst incident that you've ever been to in your firefighting career <sighs> how graphic can we get you can get as graphic as you want <laughs> I'm about to go R rated so it's yeah, all good yeah yeah, yeah. So um, we were, I remember being um, based out at Papatoi, um, just to get some more um, skills and qualifications, so on a rescue tender out there, and uh, we're doing some volunteer training out with the Maramarua uh, volunteers, and um, we're listening on the radio, and um, big, big fire had happened, um, it was what we call a third alarm, may have gone to a fourth alarm, 
Um, so all our resources, or a lot of resources, were tied up. So we ended up having to go back and in, um, into into town to or Papatoe just to to cover. Um, and while we're heading back in, we had a call to uh, MVA on George Bolt Memorial, which out, is a motor vehicle accident for those that yep. don't Sorry, get the team. lingo. No, yep. That's all right. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's and yep. um, so so we got there, and I remember it was it was actually my first real cutout. And driving past, and to, it was a apparently it was a Alteza mm-hmm. um, uh, car, and um, but it really just looked like a ball of tinfoil rolled yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently there were two occupants in there uh, that we were supposed to, to to get out. So we had to drive down and then come back up to get on the right side of the road. Um, that struck a Rav four um, carrying two passengers as well. So because we uh, all resources were tied up at this fire, um, normally you'd have two um, rescue tenders which carry the cutting equipment, uh, one working on each car. Um, we had to do do both cars. Uh, and just getting to work with that um, was just something. Um, just while you're in the in the zone, it's not a problem. Um, but it's the um, it's the aftermath. So what had happened? That car, um, the passenger of that car had been um, had called a friend saying, "Call the cops." That that this my mate's off his head, yeah. um, doing in excess of 140 k's, 50 k's. Um, they'd lost control gone onto the other side of the road um, and hit uh, the oncoming RAV, um, well it was they the, the rear of their car hit the RAV um, so there was no um, forward protection no airbags for um, the Alteza uh, and the state of the passenger that was trying to make the phone call to get it stopped was just um, if I could say we poured him into a yeah. body bag yeah. um, the driver survived um, a passenger or the a passenger in the Rav4 um, was was um, killed on on the scene, uh, and um, I distinctly remember her daughter saying, um, "Is Mum okay? She'd been picked up from the airport by her mum um, after being away overseas." Yeah. Um, so welcome home, honey. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know that that will that will stay with me um, forever. Uh, the fact that we had to go back to the cutout after the serious crash unit had done their business yeah. to free the the the, um, the uh, person that had been trying to call uh, and get police to stop the car, um, and then we had to go back another day later because they thought there were drugs in in part of the car. So it was the, just a constant revisit of this yeah. this car. And all the senses, the smell, yep. the yeah. So commonly was, referred to as PTSD flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll yeah, be. That, yeah. I think you've summed that up. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, mm. uh, and I hear you. I definitely do. Um, when you were out on the truck, because let's be honest, I know that you don't get out on the trucks as much as you used to. What did you? How did you cope with those jobs and de-stress afterwards? Because for some people, it's exercise. For others, it's meditation. So, uh, Rochelle Martin has a crap day in the truck. As, as the senior fire officer or the station officer, what did you do to underwind? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, if we've still got some time to go on on duty, definitely have a bit of a chat to yep. to see how everyone's um, coping. And and we don't know that whether we're coping or not. Usually at that point, it's no. just kind of like you're still in a bit of a um, kind of well, what just happened um, for me. So it's just checking checking that, and it'll be racing through my head. Usually, I'll um, make sure I have a long shower yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I've got a, an amazing partner who's also a firefighter um, so being able to just talk through that and um, I'll, I've, I've used numerous times um, Vite who is a self-referral um, 
uh, group counselling group that um, the fire and emergency use. Yep. Um, so I am all about not only checking myself physically and going to the doctor if I've got something going on, um, yep. but looking after my head. Yeah, um, as my good yeah. mate Jen Moira would say, and her buddy Jazz Thorn, it ain't weak to speak. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Exactly right. yep. um, and of course, have a thrash out of the gym. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Um, that's yep. um, just a given. Good for the endorphins. Yep. So then you go, go on after a few years and you become senior station officer. And, and so you became New Zealand's first female SESO, as they say, in the business. What challenge did that pose to you, one, as a female, and two, as you're in this new role? And then the second question, the second part of that question, I guess, is did you get any grief from the establishment? Did you feel like everybody was like, she's going to fall over, let's watch her? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, no, it was, um, it was one of those things, and um, I think it's possibly my competitive nature is that um, I want to... I like I, I want to achieve, and I want to keep challenging myself. And so, going through the rank structure is part of that. Yep. Um, I was shit and brick, so I'll be absolutely <laughs> honest. And um, and that that uh, phrase, fake it till you make it. Yep. You know, just faking confidence. Yeah. Um, I know what I'm doing, but just going, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, but look, I set myself up with um, having a, a network of people that supported me yep. and uh, believed in me, and you know, mentors or what, whatever you want to call them, um, people that had would say to me, "Doesn't matter if it's on a night shift, then just bring me." So having um, a network of people that I knew had my back, um, you know, set me up well. Management um, put trust in me, yep. um, and I'd, uh, I was really fortunate with a number of those people that. Um, were managers that appointed me I'd worked on crews with them as well so having that um that belief from them I knew I could do it um but you know at the end of the day we you know to work in a team and to achieve um the desired outcomes we're always using other people's um knowledge and and we work together to to put things right you just know that responsibility is on you yeah because you you had a fair whack of pressure I mean I when I was researching this interview I saw all the news hub Oh, we followed the t- we followed the crew for the TV show, and you know oh, we've gone out and done another interview with her, and there was probably about five or six interviews. Mm. I was like, my God, she must have been getting to the stage of just leave me alone and let me yeah. get on with the job. Yeah. And, and that's that's um, a really interesting point because uh, as part of that whole um, being the first, and and I'm proud of that. Yeah. Um, but there's also that responsibility. If I'm not out there being visible, because there's so few at the time females yeah. in the in the service, um, you know, it's really hard to be what you can't see. No, it exactly doesn't right. mean you can't be it. Yeah. But um, that responsibility of being out there speaking about what the role is, um, and that it's a fantastic job, a great job. I mean, yeah. 18 years, it's got to be right. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of um, my my colleagues that have been well longer than that. <laughs> um, so look, it's. Um, uh, part of the challenge is what drives me, um, but yeah, absolutely shit and bricks. Yeah, and then just to flip it right on its head, and as you said, you like challenges and you like breaking stereotypes and everything else. Firefighters calendar comes around, and I've got to be <laughs> honest, the first time I saw that picture, no disrespect, I looked at it. That's not Rochelle. What the hell? But everything sort of fell into line because you were doing a gym program at the time. Yeah. Yeah, um, you'd obviously had the hair and the makeup done and everything else. That was my natural look. Yeah, yeah, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and then done like a thousand <laughs> sit-ups before because you had the abs that I've wanted for all of my entire career, but yeah. didn't happen. So fair to say, I don't have them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is it the fact that you're like pushing the boat out, breaking the stereotypes, or just going, yeah, 
why not? Or yeah. maybe all three. What, what do you think? It's really interesting because I, I do actually care about what people think. Yeah. But I think as um, I've got older, um, a little bit older than 28, mm-hmm. um, I, I care less. I think, you know, people say shit. It still affects me. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you don't give something a crack, yeah. And it is, it is it's the challenge. And that's part of that CrossFit thing as well, is that um, I'm exposed frequently with things that I'm not good at. Yeah. Um, and I hate that, yeah. but I love it. It's yeah. um, um, when you start improving um, in different areas, then uh, I think that's what gives me my go-go juice. You know, yeah. it gives me my ener- the energy is, um, is you know, just getting better and, and doing things a little bit better. And yeah. that's in anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I think you're exactly I started jiu-jitsu about 14 months ago I come from other martial arts and I'm like yeah it's okay to be bad at something that you really suck at because you're going to learn some good skills yep. but yeah I hear you um, okay question for you what do you fear what do you fear spiders hey there you go yep there you go okay alright so then you go on and become the national <laughs> recruitment manager for uh, NZFS as it was then and then it becomes New Zealand Fire and Emergency Management um, what challenges does that new role bring to you because i know like you would obviously miss the action and the truck and the, the crew and everything else but what challenges is that role brought for you oh look the the, the challenges and it's uh, i've got a real love hate relationship with recruitment i'm passionate about um, recruiting and getting um, making it uh, people aware that it's a career opportunity mm-hmm. um, and that's everyone um you know it's possible to to do this thing um but what what it's uh, given me is an opportunity to see how the the other side of the business works yep. um, and what enables the, the big red truck to roll out those doors, yep. that there's a huge team of people behind that. Um, and sometimes we don't um, see things the same way and that's okay because we've got to have um, firefighters that you know operate one way and yep. then we've got um, the, the, the business folk um, you know, running things um, in the background. So it's, it's given me some insight into how... The big beast works. Yep. Um, so uh, you know, and I wouldn't have got that experience any other way. So it's been um, been really fortunate. Um, understanding what people's experiences are, um, and 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 sort of trying to change how we do things to, um, yeah. Regardless if someone comes through and they've been unsuccessful at one one point, that they'll go away still thinking they've had you know a positive experience and um, um, giving it a crack. Yeah. So. Yeah. With that new generation, uh, and I'll give you two examples. Like I said, I was a volley, uh, probably mid nineties. Um, I can remember doing a volunteer course, and we had the ladders up, and basically the SFO at the time telling me that the ladder was worth eleven thousand dollars because it's all wood or something, yeah. and that that was worth far more than a volunteer's career was. Yep. And I had pretty much the same in the police as well. We did firearms, and I can remember the instructor saying to us all, "Now, if your shots aren't on target, then you'll feel something." Probably about a size 11 being inserted somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Um, and obviously those days have changed. So how are you guys working differently from when you recruited um, to now with uh, like the generation YZ and Alpha now? Yeah, I've got some young people in my team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> advising me on yep. what kind of social media platforms we need to use, what kind of imagery we need to use. Um, so, you know, I, I always say I, I I do the best I can, but I'll take the help or advice where yep. I can to, to make sure we're on track. So, yeah, we're, we're just trying to um, connect with people, really. Yep. Um, look, we're we're a, um, a predominantly European male-based um, organisation, mm-hmm. and that's great. We've got some fantastic firefighters, but, um, you know, 
with the MOU signed with St John's and doing purple calls, so that's cardiac arrest, anything where someone stopped breathing or um, their heart stopped, yep. we're being responded to. So we are no longer just turning up to a job, putting out a fire or um, sorting a car, um, and then jumping in the truck and going home, we're actually in people's homes mm-hmm. while they're dealing with, um, at the time, trauma, yeah. um, traumatic events. So we really need to um, look for people out there that um, have the, the strength and fitness to to do the physical aspects of the job, but we also need people that have those alternate skills that they can connect with people and understand the needs of the people. And that could be, um, you know, uh, we, we need more Asians, we need more Māori, we need more Pacifica yep. peoples in the job so we know how to um, be respectful respectful and um, manage scenes um, more professionally. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, and just off the top of your head, what's the percentage of female fighters that you've currently got so we're we're just under five percent, but um, for the first time ever in a recruiting round, we've got ten female firefighters um, out of thirty-nine. Boom! So there you which go. Is, um, yeah, which answers my next question. Ground. Yeah, you know, how do you think that you'll improve it? But like you said, you know, um, you can't achieve what you can't see, and the more you have in those roles, yeah, the it, better. Yeah. It's just visibility. We yeah. just need to be more visible. Yeah, and I've been out with the local crew, and you know, they've got a. Um, senior fire officer is a female and very often she'll get mobbed at the primary school yeah, because yeah. the little girls will actually go oh I, I didn't realise it and she's like yeah you can be me any time you want yeah. um, what, are, what are Finn's doing to attract more Pacifica and Māori to the job so yeah a lot of um, what we're doing now so we recruit twice a year um, for, for two courses recruit courses um, that are held at NTC in Rotorua all our campaigns, attraction campaigns to rounds opening are really targeted. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to use imagery that um, show Pacifica people, females, Māori. Um, I went to uh, Wananga in Rotorua yesterday to um, speak with um, a Te Rōpū group, which is our Māori support um, network. How, what can we do yep. to make sure that we're um, um, attracting um our young Māori. So, yep. so we want te reo speakers in some of these communities to, to, to better connect. So it's really working with our um, already established networks um, and what we want to be trying to do is connect with people as they come through the recruiting process. So a bit of a buddy-up system, mentoring system is yep. what, what we're looking at trying to achieve um, going into the next round. Yeah. Now, like you said, lots of people have a picture of a firefighter being and I use this term very respectfully, right, of a burly moustached male who smells the smokes, puts out fires, and then pretty much that's it. Yeah, right? much that, like yourself without yeah, the smoky much, yeah. smell. It's my yeah. Vent, it's yeah. my yeah. Vent, you saw a honest, yeah. good, good mo, nice yeah, yeah. tinge of red there. Thank you very much, yeah, ginger. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth over the current firefighters. Um, what duties is a current firefighter expected to do? I know that, like you said, you guys now are resussing with your MOU with St John's. Um, I think uh, lots of people don't realise that firefighting crews very often will turn up to MVAs, as you call them, uh, motor vehicle accidents. It's not just a matter of putting out fires. You guys are also doing, like when I was a volunteer, uh, there wasn't an awful lot of, shall we say, prevention work done, but you mm. guys are doing that mm. now as well. So yeah, yeah what, what other sort of duties is, do, do you guys have that we maybe the general public doesn't know? Yeah, yeah. so you're absolutely right. We've really been a, a respond-focused um, emergency service, whereas now we're looking at being um, much more um, around that preventative um, risk reduction, working with communities, trying to not... Um, 
serve our communities in terms of going and making it better, mm-hmm. which we, we will constantly try and um, strive to do, but building resilient communities. So what that's going to need is, is firefighters that can can engage with people that are personable, that can talk, you know, that um, doesn't matter who it is in the community, can um, talk them through something. Yeah. Um, um, a real emotional um, resilience uh, with all the, the uh, medical calls we're going to. So being able, open to being able to, um, you know, talk about what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and being a little bit more sort of like um, technology savvy, you know, the way we're, we want to be recruiting, not for the firefighter 15 years ago what we're trying to recruit now is the firefighters for now in 15 years time so where are we moving to yep. uh, so yeah a range of skills and attributes is, is far wider than um, don't put us in a box we don't just do fires yeah and 15 years from now what 2034 you and I are both going to be pushing sort of mid 40s yeah, well. yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah so exactly so um You've been on lots of boards um, to do with women and women in firefighting and women in emergency management. I have had the pleasure of having, and I'm not saying that as a suck-up either, I've had the pleasure of having lots of bosses of being women. Um, what do you think women bring to the table for emergency management that possibly we haven't seen in that male sort of big dominated area? Oh, I think um, what we... Um tend to bring and approaches um, a collaborative approach to um, you know what 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 are, what are we trying to achieve and utilizing the room or the people in the room understanding who's um, got what strengths yeah. and um, rather than um, you know fist on the table this is how we need to do it we'll, yeah. we'll work with people yeah. um, that's been my experience yeah. um, and I'm not saying that happens across um, all male um, boards everywhere, no. but it tends to be that um, I'm much, I'd much rather work with people than against them. Yeah, and it tends to be, and it might be sort of we might be talking in the same language here, but you guys are really good at, um, shall we say, not using your ego as much, um, identifying the allies a lot quicker than some males are, and also your also your weaknesses as well, and not being again coming back to the ego thing, not being too f- afraid to say actually here's some stuff that we could do better with who's good at this so yeah yeah, yeah so that can be um at um our detriment as well and um women tend to be oh, i've got to be 100 percent sure i can do this before yeah. i'll jump in yeah um so we hopefully can change that mindset yeah not wrong okay so questions from the floor for you uh from the punters who dm me have you ever done the sky city challenge and how did you get on Sure have. Um, I did it in uh, as after I had my son as a focus on getting back to fitness. I thought I'd sign up, and I think I got uh, did it in twelve minutes forty eight, which was a record um, that I set. And that just recently got smashed by Aidy McKenzie from Fungare. Nice. Not looking at a comeback to smash it. No, that's such hideous training. Yeah. Uh, In your mind, because you've been both. Uh, what do you think separates the pros from the Joes, so to speak, uh, on a sports field? <sighs> yes. I, look, I think it's a, a single-mindedness. It's a little bit of a... Um, I go into a, a funny place, and I'll, it's almost like you, you walk over glass to, to achieve something. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to articulate, I think what that difference is I think you've it's something that's inside you and mm-hmm. then um, it's about how we untap that in people 
um, how, how we unlock it, how we develop people. Um, it's certainly something that um, you can train yep. as, as hard as you can, but there is, I think there is something that yeah. you've got to have that's um, just a little bit off the wall. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I've watched sports with people that I know that haven't really played any competitive sports, and they'll watch somebody in a, an opposing team who's got maybe a shoulder injury. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I'll be screaming at the TV, get the ball to him and run at that guy with the shoulder. And they're all like, my God, you're callous. How could you do that? And I'm like, yeah. It's a strategy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a different game. <laughs> it's a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question for you is this one. You can put on your Sky uh, Sports commentator set for this. What went wrong for the All Blacks, the Rugby World Cup? Uh, look, I think um, I think they've actually they've summed it up themselves yep. in that they were beaten by a better team. They were beaten by a, um, a really hungry team. Um, I, if I can reflect on my own personal experience and having um, when you have one of those games like they had against the Irish, that everything just went just everything went well for them. Yeah. Um, the the bounce of the ball just they were on fire. It's really, really hard to back that kind of performance up, mm-hmm. um, and they needed to, and they they just couldn't deliver. And you had an English team, and it pains me to say, yeah, but yep. they were they they were phenomenal. Yep. They just monstered them. Yeah, they. They just didn't give the All Blacks an opportunity. No, you're not wrong either. So fair play to them. Um, if you had to name the best forward pack of all time, what would it look like? Jeez, that's a tough one. That's because having just that having question. just read Sam Warburton's book, for instance, and I'm obviously you can go male or female on this because I know that you know your rugby well enough. I found it staggering that he did not have Richie McCaw in his starting pack. Oh. He actually put Pocock instead. Really? Yeah, and Dan Carter didn't make the fifteen either. He was put to the bench as well. Wow. So, yeah, he put Johnny Wilkinson there instead. So. Off the top of your head, or you can pass on that one. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to pass on that one because yeah, I really talking. need to give that some time. Yeah, no, all good. Who is your inspirational uh, sort of force, your role model, or your motivator from when you were playing? Who was the person or the when you were a kid that you used to look up to and go, I want to oh, be like that person? I, 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 Michael Jones was amazing. God bless he the was, Iceman. He was yeah. awesome, eh? Yeah, and I, the worst thing about that is I can remember watching the Iceman. He was my favourite player as well, him and Sir Richard Lowe. Um, and saying, "Wow, nobody's going to be ever better than he is." Mm. And next thing you know, there was a man called Joshua Confield. Yeah, yeah, he was all right, eh? He yeah, yeah, he man. wasn't bad. Uh, biggest thrill of being a firefighter is what? Um, hmm. Biggest thrill. Of, it's funny. It's um, been been a wee while, so it's not that thrilling. It's just <laughs> it's it's just work. But I do remember going to my first fire call yep. in the truck with all my gear on and lights and sirens going really fast that was yep. you know that sounds very cheesy yep. but that was like oh I'm actually doing it yeah, yeah, this yeah. is cool and I've got to be honest I do say to the kids sometimes when they get to me wow you know lights and sirens and everything else I'm like it's cool being in a police car but I'm telling you now it's even cooler when you're in the passenger seat of a fire engine yeah. and you get to work the air horns yeah. and the siren. Yeah. yeah. So that was a, that was yeah. that was the next probably coolest yep. thing was being made up and getting to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, what's been Rochelle Martin's biggest fangirl moment in her entire life? The moment where you sort of oh, look at this, I'm standing next to this person. Um probably Helen Clark. There you go, look at <laughs> yeah. that, eh? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All yeah, good. So, yeah. So catching up with you. So now your fitness, because you're obviously you still doing CrossFit. Yeah. 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 yeah not Are you as... still competing or not? 
No, yeah, no. Just I'm just trying out. to bank the beers these days. Yeah, good week. Yeah, yeah. nice week. So you obviously because you can't help yourself. You're like others. Um, who you, you go and start CrossFit and you start to compete at CrossFit and surprisingly, strangely enough, you do quite quite incredibly well there, popping in at number seven. Um, how was that? How was that mindset when you? Um, was it just a matter of different training, same day, same crack, as um, so to speak? Or you know what? I, I I remember thinking when I started getting into it, I hated it because I was useless yeah. um, with the movements. But thinking, man, I wish I did this when I was playing. Yeah, it would have just um, I think um, really been awesome for my my game. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it's awesome. I just applied the same kind of mindset I did yeah. <laughs> playing rugby. So that's probably why I'm not. Um, doing it competitive at the moment because you can't keep doing that. <laughs> so then in 2018 you get awarded the MNZM for services to rugby uh, and also to firefighting as well. What was that like? I was like, who's who's pulling a pulling a yep. trick here? Um, I remember just wanting to tell someone and they tell you you can't tell anyone, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I was just like, no, really? Uh, so that was, that was a pretty pretty um crazy and it's still kind of weird uh, i'm like really yeah uh cool. and it goes to speak volumes now out of your black fern playing days you've got yourself anna who's got the same mm. as you here yeah yeah and yep. haven't you got a couple of others in there Farah, as well yeah, Farah Farah, yeah she's got the um officer I yeah think. and i think fraggle melissa yeah. rusco yeah yeah, so, so yeah. she's a bit later, but um, yeah. So there's a number of um, number yep. of us there. It'll be like a royal invitational fifteen yeah. soon. Yeah. And actually, I'll say something about that too around the um, barbars. So those those women that you've just mentioned are um, members of the New Zealand barbars at Eden Park, and they've got a board in there, um, MNZM members, mm-hmm. um, and none of the girls are up there. Hmm. So there's a little push there that we right. might uh, see. If yeah, we can... yeah. So New Zealand barbars, if you're listening, that might be a good idea. Yeah. Just quietly. Yeah, not wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, enough said. Uh, what does the future hold for Firefighter Martin? Well, the um, the opportunities are vast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah. And anyone out there listening, I'm you know, the highest bidder. I'm prepared to... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, look, I just keep um, keep forging ahead, keep challenging myself. I'll be looking at stepping out of the role I'm in um, in the next year or so, I would think. Yep. Um, but there's uh, there's some, some things happening um, in fire and emergency, and I'm looking to, you know, look at... Uh, going into a new new role um, at some point, applying for something new. Yeah. Um, probably won't go back to the trucks as um, as amazing as and awesome as that, that job is. Yeah. Um, with family dynamics and um, and getting, you know, turning almost 30. Um, yeah, exactly. Need yeah. to think about um, what else is out there. So, um, yeah, looking, looking to do something new and um, keep challenging myself with it. And currently the date is 29th of the 11th. I know that you guys are doing your... Uh, recruiting rounds at the moment um, and that people are invited to uh, drop an email in because I think the places in Auckland are getting quite tight for numbers now, aren't they? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how often do you do your your recruiting rounds? Yeah, so we, we open a round in February and in July. So those are the two um, months that we open a recruiting round. We've actually got information uh, practice days running this weekend around the country and yep. that's get along and you get to... Um, have a Q&A session with an operational crew, um, give you an overview of what the organisation is, what we do, the types of calls we go to, 
um, uh, what we're all about, and then you get the opportunity to go out on the track and give our PPT, pre-entry physical test, a go, and, and the weights and strength session just to, to see what you need to, to get through it. And come and have a, have a look, bring some friends, bring yeah. your family, um, check it out, and um, that gives you a bit of time to get yourself ready for uh, when the round actually opens in February. Yeah, and you guys are like us now where if we go and visit the um, fire website, um, www.fire.org.nz, uh, then um, and contact somebody there, they'll send you out some information um, right the way down to if you get stuck and you're not, how do I get fit for this? You can easily contact yeah. somebody. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on the portals and that's www.fireandemergency, one word, dot nz. There you go, I got it wrong again. Beautiful. Yeah, nice work. Okay, so last question for you, and it's a question we always do. The day of reckoning has come for Rochelle Martin and she's lying in her casket, but strangely enough, she can hear everything everybody's saying about her. What would you like that they will say about you? Or what, uh, would you what would you What would you like them to say about you? I should say. Good egg. Yeah, and um, you know, go to the bar for the after match. Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah. And kick off. Um, yeah, uh, some celebration, please. Yeah. No tears. And get there before the Richards it. does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, pretty yes. much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. Well, she'll be holding the bar up, so. <laughs> Probably, pretty much. Yeah. Love and respect, Anna. Uh, Rochelle Martin, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you are a bloody legend, to coin a phrase, but you are. Uh, you and those girls from that era. Uh, and I can still remember taking you out to the schools as community cop. And basically, we used to hype it up for weeks. And we'd be telling them that you guys had won two or three Rugby World Cups. And they were expecting Tana Rumago and the such like. <laughs> and you girls would come around the corner and they'd be like, uh. Seriously? <laughs> no worries. And uh. by, by the end of it, you had them all leading that out of the hand, uh, the palm of your hands because you guys were yeah. such professionals. So, full respect. So, my question for the tactical solution giveaway is this I've got two hats and I'm going to throw in two morale patches. So, three giveaways. The question is this I'll say it twice and it's only for New Zealand residents because uh, we've got listeners in Russia, believe that or not, Roger. Me? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first station. Firefighter Rochelle Martin was stationed at was. Alright, so I'll say it again. The first fire station that firefighter Rochelle Martin was stationed at after her basic training, uh, DM me at Coppuccino Podcast, all one word, uh, with no hotel in it either. That's an H for you non uh, alpha alphabet people. Um, drop me a DM there and let me know the answer, and I'll draw some people out maybe about a week after this podcast go live. So, thank you very much, Rochelle. And uh, pleasure. To the rest of you, we'll catch you next time for the Cappuccino, where we'll be talking to a lady, which I, for all the money in the world, would not, could not, and should not do. All right, catch you then, eh? See you, team. Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.